Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Oh. That's right, because today (laughs) we're changing it up a little bit. Just you, just me. We're going to get into some book recommendations. You know, people may or may not know this, but we were on hiatus for quite a while. Isn't that right, Dylan? Yes, I believe like eight to ten months, something. (laughs) I don't know, a lot. I guess it was, what was it, nine months, ten? Pretty much. Uh, You know, it it was a much-needed break, a little R&R for the friends over at the FTF podcast, but just because we took a hiatus from the show does not mean we took a hiatus from reading great fantasy books, right, Dylan? You are correct, Charles. We did indeed continue to read fantasy books during our hiatus. We sure did. Yeah, I guess... (laughs) Charles, can you tell them? I guess I know the title of this, but I, by the way, for the listeners to let you peek behind the curtain for a second here, I did not know the the title of this episode. Oh, don't give me that. We talked about the title all day today. We a few ideas. We were struggling to come up with the title. Because here's the thing, we're trying to come up with something that people will click and just saying book recommendations to me, does not get the clicks. You, it, there needs to be some kind of hook. We couldn't come up with a juicy enough hook, so I thought, <laughs> let's just like throw that out there. I don't know if this is what we end up with. We could change it, but the working title in the document right now, Fantasy Book Recommendations for Taking a Hiatus. That's <laughs> Which I found t- out like three minutes ago. No, you did I do not. Have- I texted this to you hours ago. <laughs> As one of the, that, I said, as this is the, the working options. title. I said, this is the working title until we come up with something else. We need to lock it in before we record. And then I started recording and I was like, well, I guess this is the title now because no one came up with anything better. And here we are. So. Okay. So I have a <laughs> list of books I read during the hiatus and I guess I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, gonna to have to find a way to frame them through why they're, they're good for while you're taking a hiatus. Um, sure. During hiatuses, hiatai. Yeah, what you know, everyone needs hiatus? a everyone needs a break now and then. A hiatus is, you know, sometimes the a uh, uh, good thing to do. And you know, what books you want to take with you? You know, if you're a fantasy fan and you're about to go on a hiatus, have we got the episode for does you? Anyone, <laughs> what does it What does it mean for someone who's not a content creator to go on a hiatus? It's I like don't a know. Vacation? Sure, <laughs> could take a hiatus from anything, vacation, um, you know, certain, maybe a club or a organized sport of some kind. I don't know. Could take a hiatus okay. from anything. So if you're taking some time off of tennis and you want to read mm-hmm. books during that period of time, then we've got the the recommendations for you right here. 
we sure do. So, so Dylan, your list is a little bit longer than mine. Why don't you go ahead, kick us off with one of your first fantasy book recommendations for those of us that are about to take a hiatus. Okay. Well, my first recommendation is going to be Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. So, oh. an author that I know you're... I'm a big familiar fan with Charles mm-hmm. and I'm sure lots of people are familiar with because he wrote The Martian, a movie that featured Matt Damon, pretty big movie star. Well, he wrote the book that movie. then was adapted into a film oh, star. Did I not make that? You okay, said he you know wrote the movie. Yeah, yeah but everyone knows what no, you're talking I'm about. I'm incorrect there. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. He wrote a book called The Martian. The book The Martian was then adapted into a film. The film then had Matt Damon, who played a character that was in the original book that was not Matt Damon in the book. Yes. We clarified everything here. There's no confusion. No confusion. All right. But the Project Hail Mary, as of this point anyway, has not been made into a movie. So you're going to have to check out the book if you want this awesome story. And I... I was blown away, honestly. And it's it's basically the story of a guy who comes to in a uh, like rocket ship and he kind of slowly starts to piece together why he's even in there. He's surrounded by like some dead bodies of people who obviously were also supposed to be on the whatever sort of expedition he's on. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, but he doesn't know. It's like basically got amnesia at the start. He's got to start to piece all of this together. He's kind of remembering stuff as he goes. And he's, he's got a science background and it very much uses that Andy Weir science fiction. Like here I am isolated by myself, uh, isolated by myself. Bit little redundant here <laughs> here i am isolated in space how do i use my scientific knowledge to survive and get by and problem solve it's super interesting but it takes a totally different turn from anything like the martian and it God, there's a lot because it's a slow unraveling of a mystery that i don't want to get too much into because of spoilers but also i'll just say if you're an audiobook fan highly recommend the audiobook version here oh Uh, and i think yeah i think if you if you listen to it you'll end up thanking me or not literally you probably will just be like oh that was nice that was nice Mm. of him to say but you will end up thinking, wow, I'm really glad I listened to the audio. Uh, I can't say why, but it's you'll see if you if you check it out. That's exciting. I'm a big audiobook fan, so yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, the only book I've read by Andy Ware is The Martian, and I loved it. Have you read The Martian, the book, Dylan? I, why do I feel I like have you not. haven't? You've rec- yeah. No, I haven't, yeah. and you've recommended it to me. You actually put it as a recommendation. We talked about recommendations for folks who like Piranesi. Yeah, you it also that, came up I for um, All Systems Red as well mm. when we did that with Mark, I mean, I saw by the Mark the Wells. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what's interesting about the book is it's told through journal entries where, uh, from yeah. the Matt Damon character. So the Matt, you're reading like journal entry for this day, which they call Souls in Mars. It's like Soul number this. He's like, oh, I'm 
this was a busy day. I was trying to survive. And you know, it's like, that's every chapter from there. So it's a totally different narrative experience in the movie. I mean, the same stuff happens. It's not crazy different, but it's hyper-focused on the Martian character and it, the humor that comes across when you have that setup of a guy writing journal notes. You're not sure if he's going to survive. He's totally alone. Not sure if anyone will read it, this, that, and the other. And he somehow manages to have right. a unique sense of humor and all that. So anyway, that's all to say, love that book for its unique combination of science fiction and humor and characterization and storytelling as well through the use of journal entries. So it's an easy sell for me. I'm also a big audiobook fan. So that's oh, yeah. where I check I out. think you'd love this, what? Charles. And also you, listener. Well, you there you go. this too. I, oh, and why is it good for a hiatus, you may oh, ask? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, it's because the character is taking a hiatus from Earth and uh, is oh. <laughs> I see. by themselves. So, you know, if you need to just take some time away from people, away from the Earth in a more figurative sense. If you're isolating is, by yourself, this is the book for you. Or maybe it's definitely not the book for you because it will only compound that sense of isolation. But if you're if you're taking it more from this hiatus, I need some me time perspective, then this will help you, I guess. Nice. Okay. It, it is like a funny. Is it funny too? Like I know The Martian was a very funny book. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think Andy Weir is uh, from my reading of this one book, and I also read a short story by him. Though mm. that doesn't really have a like. It's not funny, but it's called The Egg, and I highly recommend it. It's available for free online. And you'll sit down and read it in, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or something. So check that out, too. Another hiatus wreck for you. And yeah, he just has a kind of goofy sense of humor. He does. uh, It is kind of goofy, kind of nerdy, but I always liked it. At least from the one book I I really appreciate it. It's kind of this, and I guess The Martian was kind of like this too. Obviously, if you're on a spaceship isolated from everyone, you'd see that the crew around you, everyone else is dead. You are, you know, you are in danger of also being dead. And I think the way that he's able to take that situation and almost have this like goofy, dark sense of humor about it, it's like this. Uh, like wanton attitude about like oh well i'm probably gonna die uh but and i'm <laughs> right. sure the martian as a book yeah these books are sounding quite similar i'd have i'm curious to read um it, it sounds like project hail mary takes the, some interesting the turn it takes is that, totally yeah, different yeah yeah that you're not totally different. um that you're trying because this is a totally spoiler free episode by the way um because we're recommending these books we're assuming no one's read them so thank you dylan for sharing project hail mary thank you you've um captured my interest for sure uh so that brings me to my book and you know dylan sometimes when you go on a hiatus it's all Mm -hmm. about putting life into perspective right and what could help you see i can tell i can tell that you like put thought into this way of pitching the books and i'm just throwing it up you had hours i we (laughs) this was the working title for like six hours today i don't know what else to tell you 
And anyway, you ruined my delivery, but the, yes. basically the point is that nothing helps put life into perspective more than the soul-crushing, heartbreaking moments captured in The Sword of Kaigen, a Theonite war story by mm. M.L. Wong. This was the first book I read on when we after we announced our hiatus. Um, we were kicking around actually doing a book discussion of this before we went on hiatus, and maybe we'll get back to that one day. But I was... It kept getting recommended to us. There was something we'd done a lot of these book recommendations on social media where we asked people to write in like, what would you recommend for this situation? What would you recommend for this situation? One of them we did for like books that will make us cry. That was the call. And this book that would make you cry, Charles, because you have never cried from a book while, you know, I have demonstrated, uh, you know, normal range of human emotion. Sure. So this book was recommended to me saying it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it made everyone cry. Um, it it was the 2019 Spiffbo champion, which right. is a huge honor for an indie book. And then I was looking it up on Goodreads and Mark Lawrence dropped a review in and he said it was, quote, my favorite Spiffbo champion so far. And that was in 2019. Mm. And that's, you know, from Mark Lawrence, friend of the show. So already right there, you've captured my interest and my attention. And it was one of those things was like, this book has been recommended to me by so many people so many times that I felt obligated to read it. And also I wanted to read it. I mean, it won Spiffbo. And what more reason yeah. do you need to, to read a book? So I dove into it and it was a great read. It was really the fact that it like for an, indie book which it's a debut indie book no less it was really uh masterful for a lot of reasons um the story basically the the setting is almost like a japanese inspired fantasy world and there's some elemental magic in there as well like they can control water and f use it as mm -hmm. weapons and there's other rate you know um there's other tribes or you know a la avatar style. yeah yeah i feel like a lot of magic systems get compared to avatar sometimes when it's elemental but yeah it's kind of it's like an a la avatar and the setting is you know and the magic there is magic and all that but it's firmly rooted like it could be it feels like a very real place like it doesn't go too off into the fantastical and a lot of the themes are about basically the constraints of society because this is a like you would imagine it's like a very traditional like there's very traditional gender roles like the the eldest born son becomes the head of the house and he tells everyone else what to do and then the wife has the raises the kids and agrees with everything the husband says right and so all of these things are very much a part of this society uh, which we can all you know are familiar with. And there's things about family and gender roles, things about communication, and then there's the larger government and then this idea of like this idea of questioning government, which I always find to be very fascinating. Um, it's all rooted. It's all deeply textured in the story around this main character, Misaki. She's the mother in, of this noble family. And. You know, she was at one point this like vigilante badass, and then she kind of, you know, she's 
marries into this noble family, has children, and kind of settles in. But then the world around her, you know, it's a war story, so there's no spoilers to say war is a central part of the conflict of this book. And, like, the time, and it's all about her trying to communicate with the father figure, Matsuda Takaru, and then with her son, Matsuda um, Mamoru, who's a young kid. And she's just trying to raise a son in war, and she's also trying to guide her husband, who's not really listening to her. And then there's the government at large, who may not have their best interest at heart. And there's a war looming. It's all really richly textured. And yes, there are moments that are very obvious that come up that are absolutely heartbreaking. But it never loses sight of this idea of family and like the themes in it are just so brilliant. And I think that's what made me really connect with it and appreciate it. Cause you know, me characters and themes are my two big things. And yeah. I'd say this book sings with its like thematic elements. It, it, it could, it's like any family really. And that's what's pretty unique about it. It doesn't go all crazy or fanatical. Like a lot of fantasy books do, you know, it, it's very much about a family dynamic, which is the most fascinating part to me. It sounds so interesting. I, Like you said, Charles, I've been recommended this book a, a million times. It's mm-hmm. definitely one I'm going to read. And I'll say, hearing you talk about it, though, the thing that sticks out to me is just the vast array of themes that you're saying mm-hmm. it covers. It sounds like it covers all of them well to range from family to questioning government to the horrors of war all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. at the same time is a lot for one book to tackle and to do all those so brilliantly it sounds like yeah ml wong has a really intimate understanding of like family gender roles and constraints and sis- that are very common in societies across the world. And I know she mm-hmm. drew very heavily from traditional like Japanese, um, Japanese uh, traditions and culture to craft her world. Mm-hmm. And she didn't stray too far from it. Right. Like I'm saying, it's not like Lord of the Rings where you have like the elves and the dwarves where they're totally fantastical, very, very like this could be a town like, in Japan somewhere today. You know, it takes place in a relatively modern setting. There is some mm. technology. There's, like, radio and, and things like that. Yeah. So and she, it's just brilliant the way she crafts the family and the world and the way she uses fantasy to kind of give some some sort of agency and power to certain characters and things like that. It's, it's, it's probably the most well done part of this book and the way Emma Wong was able to capture those themes and then present them in a way that felt very honest to the characters and felt honest to ways that you know we can see in our own families is super impressive I think that's the most impressive part of the book yeah that's a ringing endorsement Charles and you have me even more excited about it and you know, we get recommended a lot because of Poppy War. You know, we love Poppy War. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's fair to say they're similar enough that if you like one, you should definitely check out the other. Um, so I, I think this was back at the time we were doing those Poppy War episodes, too. Right. And Rebecca Kwong is always talking about the bucket of tears that you need to bring for <laughs> the Poppy War series. It sounds like sort of Kaigen is 
pretty much the go-to, I would say, novel recommendation on Twitter, if you ever ask, like we did before, the what books are going to make Charles cry. I think it's really that and the Paper Menagerie right probably the two go the paper menagerie was heartbreaking and, and sentimental right. too whereas this is heartbreaking and tragic and i thought this was way sadder than poppy war poppy war you know there were a lot of of sad moments in that book for sure and intense moments and fun twists and turns and all that but sort of kaigen really cuts at um really cuts at some familiar things that you, you're like damn that is so sad <laughs> this is so depressing uh, but you know it, it, it's what makes it good for sure i mean I, a book that can hit you that hard in yeah. the feels uh, that's a lot of what we're we look for as readers in mm-hmm. a novel we want to be affected by it um, yeah sounds right up my alley well it's just a matter of time before i get around to reading it and then Hopefully we'll get to have a discussion right. in depth with uh, with no holds barred for the spoilers. On That's this one. right. That, that'll be a good day. And yeah, I just the other thing is like, for me, so many times you get into a story like this and the tropes are crazy. Like the father figure just is like slapping everyone around. So now I'm in charge and I don't care what you think because you're a woman, you know. And it's like, and those stories have their place too. But I don't know. She... She embraces tropes without being tropey, if that makes sense. It's really well done. Well, the other thing nuance. I was... What? Yes, yeah, nuance. nuance. right? Yeah. Nuance. Like, you can drive home the points about a, a patriarchal society mm-hmm. and the problems with that without having to have this uh, caricature of a character, mm-hmm. like you said, slapping everyone around. Exactly. And I will say, you know, because you brought up audiobooks, uh, you know, one of the things I feel like I have to say is, I would recommend reading the book over the audiobook for this one, you know, with with all the love in the world. I the narrator has a great voice, but the uh presentation of it with uh, yeah, exactly, with with peace and love. Uh, <laughs> peace and love, saying. you know, it, it was a he has a great voice, but I just felt like I was getting more out of the context of the story by reading it versus the audiobook. And I'm usually an audiobook guy, so figured I'd throw that out there as well. And that's all I have to say about the Sword right. of Kaigen at the Night War Story by M.L. Wong. Highly recommend. Well, that's uh, definitely a huge endorsement. So when Charles mm-hmm. is that positive on something, I am time to go out and check out that book. I know I will be. So, all right. Shall I, shall I throw one out there? Yes. Throw a wreck out there for us. All right. This one I'll maybe do a little bit quicker just because... We've interviewed the author. We've covered this more on the show already. I'm sure you know where I'm going. It's Among Thieves by MJ Kuhn, now an internationally best-selling book. And uh, we, yeah, fantastic story. It's uh, MJ, when she was on here, said she'll sometimes pitch it as Ocean's Eleven meets Game of Thrones. It's a story about... You know, cunning rogues and a thieving crew where each one of them is planning on betraying all the others, which is a lot of fun because you know, it just came off of like the lies of Locke Lamora, which MJ said was a huge inspiration for mm-hmm. uh, Among the Thieves. And it's, uh, I think the lies of Locke Lamora is more along the lines of one of those thieving crews where they're, you know, at, 
they will do all sorts of things to steal from other people and all these morally gray things outside the crew, but the crew itself just loves each other. And I think Among Thieves sticks out for having (laughs) the whole thieving crew basically treat each other like they treat every other person. So it builds on that whole morally gray thieving characters. Um, It's great dialogue, really witty stuff. Uh, MJ's super funny, both as a person and a writer. And characters are a lot of fun and have great voice, like distinct voice from each other, which I always appreciate where the different point of views, you can just tell how the writing style changes. Not and easy to do. No. I And I when MJ was on, I was, you know, I was telling her, it actually made me think about how Joe Abercrombie will change up who we consider. Yeah, he's like both. the master of it for sure. To, to be able to the emulate master, that is yeah. very impressive. Yeah, master of point of view switching and using that and just a master character creator and developer as uh, everyone talks about Joe Abercrombie. That's what they go right to and for good reason. So it it reminded me how MJ is able to capture these different voices and just you could see in the word changing, all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, anyone who's a fan, I jump to books that are it's really funny. I don't know if I said that already. So anyone who's a fan of these Thieving Crew style books, we're talking The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch. We're talking Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, I think that's pronounced. And all of those uh, fans of all of those books, you're going to love Among Thieves. And MJ's just a really bright, fresh new voice in the genre that uh, even more people should be. Uh, reading her work for sure and definitely check out our um, interview with her too it's spoiler free as well and yeah she's just so much fun to have on the show and and uh, you get a sense of where the humor of the book comes from when you speak to her because she's just that like that much of a personality so yeah I haven't read the book personally it's been on my TBR since you you've been really pushing it for a long time so uh, the moment I'm not you know, reading for the show again, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, maybe next hiatus, I'll for sure be able to have the time to, to take oh, it on. But. right. I forgot. Why is it a great book <laughs> to read on hiatus? You may ask. Uh, hmm. Because everyone needs a good laugh when oh, they're on they hiatus. Yeah. And that's the trend with your Rex so far, thieves. by the way. A couple of humorous, humorous they, books. They're funny. I mean, Project Hail Mary, it is funny to uh, I guess I, it wasn't the first thing that popped into my mind about Project Tail Mary but mm-hmm. Andy Weir does have a, a good sense of humor and a very different sense of humor from MJ's stuff so right. each of them would be great reads each of them will get you laughing in their own way and who doesn't need a good laugh during a hiatus yeah or anytime for that matter um, anytime yeah that's great definitely check out our author interview with mj it was part of our comeback week so a wonderful star-studded five episode series there that you should definitely check out um so yes thank you for recommending that this one i'm gonna go you know you're recommending a book on the cutting edge of fantasy i'm gonna take us way back here to the 70s we're gonna go old school because you know sometimes we 
take a break. We go on a hiatus in life as a way to kind of go back to our roots, you know? Come back to, like, where did it all Are come from? roots in the 70s, Charles? This author, this story comes at the roots of the fantasy genre. Not me personally. I was not okay. alive. But this... You weren't even a twinkle in your father's eye. Not even a twinkle. But <laughs> the shining star that is Terry Brooks was very much alive and well. Mm. And this book was recommended to me uh, um, by my boss at work who is also a big fantasy fan more old school shout stuff boss. shout out and it's terry brooks's first novel his debut novel the sword of shannara which is book number one of the original Sonara trilogy now terry brooks as i mentioned st- this book was published back in 1977 but terry brooks has gone on to write 23 new york times bestsellers and has sold over 25 million copies of his books. And he's one of the best and biggest-selling living fantasy writers. That's on Wikipedia. I don't know how you earn that accreditation, but it's on Wikipedia, so it must be true. Well, I mean, 25, 25 million, I'm, I will buy massive, it right? being accurate. People might, too, right? I was just about to say, people might have heard of a show called um, The Sonara Chronicles, uh, that began on MTV in 2016. And uh, the show actually starts with the second book in the trilogy, The Elfstones of Shannara. It skips the first book. And you might wonder, why does it skip the first book? And then you read it, and then you're like, I can see why. You might skip this one and go to the next one. Um and that's for a couple reasons. I, I think, you know, if you jump on Goodreads, it just gets review bombed. Because, look, it's no secret that this book is the textbook definition of what people would commonly say is a Tolkien clone. You don't get so many of those these days in modern fantasy. I feel like the whole point is to be not Tolkien. But back in the day, classic, like, right off a of Tolkien you had a ton of people basically writing the same story. And, you know, we had a similar criticism for Eye of the World, the first book in um, The Wheel of Time. You could see a lot of parallels to The Lord of the Rings in that book, and this is even worse. This is, like, literally play-by-play, character-by-character. And, yeah, you like, plenty of Goodreads reviewers out there have made all the parallels. Like I said, it's no secret that they are there. Uh, but... You know, what I will say is that one of the things I like to do when I'm reading is, first of all, I like to read an author in publication order. So I like to start with what they first wrote and read through just because I'm curious of that process. Although I'd recommend, like, if you're a fan of the TV show and you want to read the books, then just start with the Elfstones of Shannara and don't bother with this one. But, you know, I read it from the beginning and I'm glad I did it. It wasn't a book that I would recommend to people necessarily, even though this is a book recommendations episode. Uh, but <laughs> I would the say... the worst recommendation of all time. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a good recommendation you for someone... You ended your recommendation with, I, it's not a book I would recommend, per se. <laughs> I'm very hesitant to recommend it, and here's who I would recommend it for, okay? You gotta be a fan of the classics. You gotta be a fan of the old school. And you gotta... Maybe you're a fan of the Shannara Chronicles, too, the TV show. It's worth checking out for that alone. Um, 
And when you put it in the context of when it was published, there's a lot to appreciate here. Every author was doing this at the time. They were, because there was nothing else. You use Tolkien as like a starting, jumping off point, and that you go on to. He's written like dozens of books since then, and, and he's gone on to be a highly successful author. And this is where it all started, you know? So you get to see him cutting his chops, cutting his teeth. The ways in which he departs from Tolkien he gets a bit more mature at parts he his characters are a bit more interesting at times um he his his prose is fantastic throughout he's just really interesting descriptions of things that are happening it's like it's a very fun entertaining read like old school fantasy tends to be so if you're someone that's reading their way through like the progression of fantasy as a genre this one can't be missed it's one of those capstone books he's one of these big pillars in the industry um in terms of like author voices in the genre and he's you know still cranking out books uh he something he's got a series he's been working on that's coming out in october like is the next book in the series and you know prolific prolific author so there's a lot to appreciate here as a genesis for decades of influencing work in the genre I'll say that. And that's the sword of Shannara. That could could be (laughs) on the cover there. (laughs) If anyone cared enough about it. Yeah, if you want to put the FT, if you're doing, if, 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 you know, a publisher out there is reprinting sword of Shannara, they can use that uh, blurb for the FDF podcast. (laughs) A genesis for decades of influencing work. There you go. So you have that. That, he wrote that down somewhere. You're like, oh, oh I'm going to call it a I mean, I like to come to this show prepared with notes, you know? So that's, yeah, I did write that down before we sat down to record, so. Nice. All right. Well, <clears throat> that sounds good. Well, I'll say, Charles, that it had me thinking about, you know, if we tossed around the idea every once in a while of, we don't, we haven't read widely enough to actually do this in a way that would be sufficient but the idea of almost like this family tree of uh like like, yeah works in modern fantasy so it'd be like tolkien over at the top um, or at least one of the top branches right and Mm -hmm. then you kind of could spawn down from there maybe you put like a wizard of earth sea as a separate like top branch or something you put down the different influences you probably go even sure further back even just like a history like in this period was the you know the grimdark period the the early 2000 grimdark period and then there was definitely a tolkien clone period (laughs) itself over at the like toward the top of the grimdark you got game of thrones even mark lawrence and game of thrones oh game of thrones is probably above the like it's above the grimdark era it's basically because if you ask joe abercrombie his biggest inspiration for the blade itself he will tell you it's game of thrones so it's yeah so i think yeah it'd just be really interesting to see this laid out again charles and i not as well read as you probably have to be to feel comfortable doing something like this but yeah we tend to read more recently published works yeah and I would have never recommended this to you. It's too old school, but um, it is fascinating because there is this period of fantasy that you know, even a lot of modern fantasy fans can sometimes take issue with of the Tolkien clone and this 
standard fantasy tropes. But at the time, they were brand spanking new. And maybe, but this was, you know, 50 years ago. So that's the right. big difference. And I will say, my boss lent me his copy, which was like one of those old, like late 70s, early 80s copies. So I was like reading it, barely trying to break the spine. I was like, oh, I'm sure. I don't want to read, this. I don't want to like do anything to this. It's the old trade paperback That's scary. of it. So, yeah. and then that just added to the charm of it. No, I, I get think fired. It has a very get fired because old... <laughs> you break the spine. It's like, it's like, did you dog ear this? Get out. Get out exactly. of here. I was very afraid for my job when I was reading it because the, the book was so old and is one of his favorite authors, you know. And it's got those one of those classic covers on the front, you know, that, that you like a Renaissance painting. And it's just kind of fun to oh. be reading an old paperback, an old Lord of the Rings like story. It has its place. Has its place. That it does. And and yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at is you can't make this family tree without putting Sword of Shannara somewhere on there because we're talking about one of the best-selling fantasy authors of all time. And for sure. got to give him props for that. And I had never read this author before. So I was like, okay, time to brush up on my history. (laughs) This is what I felt like I was doing as a fantasy podcaster in 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Charles, while you were brushing up on your history, Uh I... I was brushing up on my Brandon Sanderson. Oh, okay? I went on a Brandon Sanderson run during hiatus. I remember. I'll say, yeah, I'll say too that all jokes about why would you read this on hiatus? I, I actually do think that if you are kind of like taking a break and you're just looking for fun, satisfying stories and that have like enough depth to keep you interested, but we'll not get down in the weeds and we'll prioritize the reader experience. I mean, how could you do better than Brandon Sanderson when it comes to that? So yeah, let exactly. me, I'm just going to run through briefly. Cause I read, I read a bunch. I basically hit three series. I read the whole Reckoners series by Brandon Sanderson, it's another YA series by him. And the way I describe it, it's like if The Boys, you know that show yeah, on boys. Amazon Prime? You know that well. You're you're a big fan, Charles. And I've watched like a season and a half of it. And it's, yeah, the Reckoner series is like if The Boys were rid- was written by Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> which is an interesting, because The Boys obviously... One of the most notable things about it is that it diverges toward the extremely explicit and gruesome and <laughs> graphic, diverse. profane, right. all of that. Right. But this base idea and the thing that drew me to the boys to watch it originally wasn't that side of it. You know, I tolerate that okay. But it was this idea of subverting the superhero genre by having basically the people who get superpowers be bad guys and Mm -hmm. the people who don't have the superpowers be at least the closest thing we get to good guys in in the boys. Um, I think Sanderson plays the good guys a bit more straight with uh, (laughs) as he tends to do um, with his heroes. So yeah, it is a Sanderson world that actually originates as Earth. So I believe the first book starts in Chicago. It's like, but I think they, it's, uh, 
it's basically post superhero induced apocalypse where just all these people start getting powers uh this just thing appears in the sky almost like a separate sun and then all of a sudden people start getting powers but all the people who get powers are pretty much just using it for their own gain and hmm. doing really messed now, up is things. this swords and sorcery or is this like a modern setting no it is modern yeah, chicago okay. and oh. then it just changes and literally there's like one of the early scenes is in a bank and there's guns and that kind of stuff which is different from what you're used yeah, to i've never sanderson. read a sanderson that wasn't swords and sorcery <laughs> yeah so <laughs> it's uh yeah it's really interesting and then it's like post a superhero induced apocalypse where you're i think they call it new cargo <laughs> and there's a <laughs> there is yeah there's like a main villain who is kind of like a superman level uh, powered guy just seems uh, invincible and uh-huh. he yeah uh, and he's the main villain and it's it's really interesting it's kind of got this yeah so it's a lot like the boys like it's got this crew of people who try to take down the superheroes or the super villains whatever you want to call them right. uh, but it's just it's pure sanderson fun a version of that and it's obviously very different from the boys and how things play out because i don't think sanderson would have any interest in even watching a lot of what happens on no, the boys knowing think, him. Right. I think there'd be a lot that he would recognize and like about it, but I don't know if he could sit through it just because of how profane it gets. But yeah. I know I love that stuff. I'm a bit demented, so. <laughs> it's good to know it, though, Charles. Yeah. So next, uh, next on my Sanderson binge was I read the book two and book three of the skyward series i'm not gonna go too deep into it but that's a sci-fi you've recommended skyward before exactly so i'm just gonna direct people to i'll say that book two and book three were also great and different there's also three novellas that i read in there that i highly recommend reading between book two and three but i'm gonna send you just uh, the listeners over to lead re or sorry listen to dylan recommends skyward i think is what there is one of those way yeah back. yeah so that's that's awesome and charles i also finally caught up on mistborn era 2 oh which yeah nice so yeah i mean it felt like it was time and i wanted to make sure i was covering my bases in the cosmere over here because i always felt like i was missing out having not read those what are your thoughts on that (laughs) my thoughts are they're great books they're Mm -hmm. what you expect from sanderson delivers great stories good endings strong characters just that classic sanderson experience but they are way more grounded than the ambitious undertaking that was Mistborn Era 1. Mm. Just, uh, and it's interesting because he takes things into this more modern setting. There are guns, but it's a little more like Western style technology than it is like anything really modern. Although I know he's going to just keep moving Mistborn forward until it's in space or whatever. But 
Yeah, it's uh, they're they're very good. I think just don't expect them to be epic on the level of Mistborn Era One. Take them for what they are, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's also cool seeing the way that I don't want to give anything away. That would be spoilers about Mistborn Era One. But there's like but... repercussions in Era Two from Era One. Yeah, cool. and just the way that characters that existed in Mistborn Era 1 a long time ago are still relevant as figures in the history mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Cool. I, I really can't go any deeper than that. I mean, the fact that Mistborn Era 2 exists, I guess, is in <laughs> itself a spoiler that like certain things don't happen in Mistborn Era 1, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um but I'll say, yeah, I do recommend it if your folks like me and Charles were who've read Mistborn Era 1, enjoyed it, and always considered... And I always love stuff too. like that, where you kind of progress your world and your characters yeah. well beyond the scope you were originally told the story. And, you know, Abercrombie does that too, where he'll go generations ahead. This is way further in the future. Yeah, though. way for. I, I did like, know that, right. Yeah. But it's interesting to like when you build worlds like that and how you, how you pull on old characters and things like that is is always fascinating to me. So, and this born era too. There are big implications down the line for the overall Cosmere, uh-huh. and I think that's what's worth mentioning too. If you're someone uh-huh. who is reading all these other, you know, Charles, you've read Warbreaker, you've read now Way of Kings, Way of Kings, and you're going to keep moving through all of it and eventually, oh, yeah. although Sanderson writes faster than we can read. <laughs> he writes faster than <laughs> I can read what he writes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, he, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we, we will make sure that we're both all caught up eventually and we'll be doing our best to follow everything in the Cosmere and Mistborn Era 2 is essential reading if you're trying to stay on top of your game with the Cosmere. So, another reason to, to do that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we we should maybe when we're more read do like a Cosmere essential reading thing. I know Sanderson writes about it ad nauseum, but um, it can be a bit intimidating sometimes. So, like it already helps to hear your yeah. perspective on Mistborn Era Two um, and put that a little bit into perspective. And so, yeah. I do like Era One better. Also, I'll just say. I mean Mistborn's just a classic. I can't like if you told me Era yeah. Two is better, I, I would I'd have to be skeptical. I'm like I don't know. How can you follow up Mistborn? <laughs> yeah. So it's still good to hear though. It sounds like it was a worthy endeavor. I mean it's Sanderson. Yeah. The guy always delivers. So that's yeah. I think that's a Sanderson guarantee. Oh, and also Book Four of Mistborn Era Two, which will be the final one in this era. The, it's the lost metal we got a release date for that recently yes and it's been I sitting for a while that. it's gonna be it looks like november 15th 2022 this year wow. so actually yeah if you got so if you're on a hiatus as you do and you got some time <laughs> now it's a great time to catch up and you'll be like me where you don't even have to do any sort of reread like i feel pretty comfortable at this point going in in november and just picking up the lost metal right where i left off and i'm excited to see how he concludes it is getting more epic in scale uh, as it goes on and i do i do like that it's sanderson it's sanderson and epic go together hand hand, 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 so you want to see that that's exciting november release it's coming up fast fast, fast. yeah i didn't realize it was so soon Mm. 
right? Interesting. <laughs> Our podcast minds are thinking and wheels are turning and all these things. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've got, we'll try and wrap this up in the next 10, 15 minutes or so here. So I've got a couple more, but they're fast ones. Um, the first sure. one I'll start off with is one that we plan on talking in a lot more depth in the future. So I don't feel like I have to go into too much detail here. It's, of course, the long um, anticipated at the time, The Wisdom of Crowds, book three of The Age of Madness by Joe Abercrombie. For, this was our holy grail for a while. And, uh, you know, Orbit Publishing, thank you guys for giving us an advanced copy of that book because we were able to digest it. It was kind of right when we were going on hiatus. I had the book in my hands and I was like, well, I have to read it. I have to know what happens. But, you know, it's because I'm, we're, you know, no secret, we're huge Java Crombie fans. So that devoured it, um, you know, spoiler free and all. And not because we're going to talk about it a lot in the future for sure. All I'll say is that it was an incredibly fascinating book. I loved it. Really strong ending to the trilogy and just an interesting take on like the story formatting of a fantasy trilogy where it's like traditionally everything comes to a head and and it's a big face off and it's like it's you know the wisdom of crowds it's the age of madness is the name of the trilogy and it just it is mad it is an age of madness like a story i've never read it's catastrophic failure on all levels of society is kind of the premise of how this book is set up and how this trilogy is set up you know there's lots of civil unrest and stuff and it just goes to the nth degree and it's fascinating to watch that and i have a lot to say about it and i know you do too dylan and you guys can look forward to that in the not too distant future just want to say great read for any time especially a hiatus and um why recommend why is it great for a hiatus in particular though charles well i'll tell you why (laughs) dylan you know and you're on a hiatus sometimes it's good to catch up on um the hot books of the times and this was as hot of a book as you could get at the time we kicked off our hiatus and and uh i just couldn't wait i know we had we're we're on a trajectory to read all of abercrombie's first law universe books and we're almost there but um i couldn't help myself and i had to read it very early (laughs) for us Uh, so Sometimes you just got to do that. You got to cheat a little and, and read what you want to read. Schedule be darned. That is fair. Schedule be darned. That's right. And it's a, <laughs> I, it's a bummer, honestly. The hiatus did have to happen for us mm-hmm. at the time that it did. But the one maybe biggest bummer about when we did go on hiatus is we did not... We got to interview Joe Abercrombie, which was... a one of the biggest if not the biggest highlight of our show i don't know what would be a bigger highlight than that that was huge that was amazing but and you can check that out which even the youtube video gets some plays and we we have like no youtube presence but you can see (laughs) if you want to see joe bopping along to our intro song that's a great video to check out it is yeah so you can watch that if you haven't yet and Yeah, the biggest bummer, though, was that we weren't able to get out our The Trouble with Peace or the Wisdom of Crowd episodes out beforehand. So we kind of left every all our first law fans, which is like a giant portion of our fan base, 
We we really <laughs> uh, I don't want to say we hung them out to dry. We left them hanging we a little bit, but hanging. I do we take solace hanging. in that when we did go on a hiatus, we went out with a pretty big bang in terms of the Abercrombie interview. Um, yeah. That was a very special moment in the show's history, and that's a good one to kind of go out on, even if we didn't necessarily finish the trilogy at the time. And you know what? We're going to talk about it soon, so yes. it's all coming, and it's very exciting time in FTF history. You know, the more coming. than anything, take this as a as a tease that yes. we will soon be bringing you the trouble with peace and uh, the wisdom of crowd at crowds episodes those are very close to the top of our tbr right now i think yeah so those are coming pretty soon and we're gonna reread both of those books beforehand and we're gonna be ready to really do classic ftf deep dive into that first law universe and oh yes to bring to that oh yes very well said um you got any more for us? Some rapid fire? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I mean, it looks like we're getting relatively close to our. We've got some time. You know, I'll give just one more. Just, or, okay. One, that's a quick nod to Piranesi by yeah. Suzanne Clark. Which we already I did mean, a whole episode on as part of Comeback Week. Exactly. Go check it out. Fiction yeah. fans, our pod. We all came together. A lot of fun. Great book. It was a lot of fun. Awesome book. I mean, very quick pitch. Guy in a mysterious house. There's statues all around. Uh, there's actually tides and, like, water in the house. There's some animals in there. And there's only one other person. It's written in this, like, journal entry style, mm-hmm. kind of like what we're talking about with the Martian. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, did I say, only one other person is in the house. And uh, it's another slowly unfurling mystery sort of you get you get the idea something's amiss here you don't know exactly what at the start and just Suzanne Clark's writing style her prose her themes gorgeous uh, yeah amazing so that read that check out our episode awesome stuff um the one I'll go into a little bit more depth on before we go is the first 15 lives of Harry August by Claire North. And Charlie, I don't know if I've ever even like talked about. I haven't heard this one. The first 15 right. lives of what now? Harry August. First. The first 15, 15 lives. lives of Harry August. He's writing it down. <laughs> yeah. So the f- it's a really interesting time travel ebook i don't even know if i should really call it time travel but basically there's this guy who harry august he lives his life like a normal guy and then he dies and for some reason he just starts as a baby like all over again same exact circumstances but he has all of the knowledge of wow. his previous life. So it's not one of those, like, takes that, uh, you know, like everything's starts back over completely and he lives in it. It's like he now has all this knowledge. Like, I think it, it takes a little bit of time for just his brain to be able to, like, get to the place where he's capable of um, remembering everything. Just, I think, biologically for it to, like... But he's pretty much 
by the time maybe he's like two or three, he's just like fully <laughs> capable of remembering everything. But he's just in this little like baby toddler body. And he just keeps, the, hence the first 15 lives of Harry August, he just keeps repeating this cycle over and mm. over again. And it's it's really interesting and different from anything else that I've read along these sort of timey-wimey style books. Especially the characters are pretty morally gray in a way that's intriguing because it's it's kind of, you know how we've talked about this idea of, like, Gandalf lives just so much longer than humans. Right, being immortal. Like, yeah. It's almost like, how could he really see people with that much love and affection? It's almost like, if you keep living over and over again and all these other people are not doing that, then it takes a really amazing person to not start seeing them almost as like a lesser being than you and gandalf obviously an incredible person but i think most people would start to almost give in and be like ah like uh, these are kind of the normies and i'm someone who just gets to like repeat over and over again even if i do something bad to this person like i'll catch him in the next life (laughs) whatever (laughs) so i think there's some ways where over time the the i think there are some ways in which the character grows interestingly jaded to mm-hmm. the idea of other people and his morality starts to change and it's got a lot of you can tell a lot of thought went into the character development side of this where mm-hmm. i think in a lot of time travel stories you get kind of it's more concept than it is character and this one is very character focused. So there's there's lots of complex like rules to the time travel and the way it all plays out. Um, you get the sense early on that there are other characters that have this These kind of experience. experience. Yeah. yeah. So because it all starts like really early in the book. It starts with he's uh, uh, he's like. I think he's like lying in a hospital bed, like close to death again, but that doesn't mean anything to him because he just knows he's coming back. And some like small child comes up to him, but is like very articulate and talking like an adult. (laughs) And she's just like, uh, she basically says like, oh, I'm glad I found you in time, Harry. Like there's something I really need to tell you. (laughs) And it sets off the events of the book where it's like he has to know something it's really interesting just how it all plays out because they're all kind of locked in their own time frame like you're not going to be able to live 300 years and get that far into the future or anything you're going to die at the normal time or earlier than you typically would so you've kind of got this tops maybe like 80 to 90 year range that you are living in over and over again but there's other people then if someone's a child at the time that you are 85 their range stretches like 90 years further into the future and they're living that over and over again so then the way that like a child might communicate to an elderly harry august they can like send messages from the future Uh, this has got you get that so it's like that kid has the knowledge yeah that kid has a knowledge of living maybe 80 years further into the future even though they're five years old they know everything and they can find 
deathbed Harry August and be like, hey, I got to tell you something so you can change something in the past next life. So it's very uh, interesting how that all plays uh, out. It's a really cool book. It's a really cool book. One of my favorite reads in a while. So It's yeah. an interesting I I, For some reason, I didn't bring it up to you. It was just kind of... No, I, this is the first I'm hearing of it. The 15 Lives of Harry August. Who's the The first again? 15 Lives. The first 15 Lives. Claire North. Claire North. Okay, there you go. And it won some awards, I think. It is... It's one of those books. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up to actually be able to say things but well while you're looking that up you know i have two more honorable mentions that will be very quick because we have episodes on them uh we were on hiatus but that didn't stop us from pushing out episodes right so did you get your Mm. the rewards up for your book or Uh, um world fantasy award winning author claire north maybe it didn't that's the author well, still very impressive. <laughs> still. <laughs> Love the high concept, uh, time travel element, focus on characterization, morality plays. Oh, and an Audi nomination for our audiobook fans. Ooh. That's like the Hello. best audiobook competition. Love so, that. Yeah, highly acclaimed novel in a lot of ways and highly acclaimed author, so... Very good. Yeah, all right. Let's get to the honorable well, mentions. Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up the show today with the honorable mentions. These were the books and authors that we've read and chatted with in between our hiatus and our comeback week. Um, the first, right. obviously... So the honorable mentions because we already actually... Because we already gave them episodes. That we, even though we were Not because they are lesser than the other oh, books. Oh, no. <laughs> if anything, yes. you know, I highly recommend these, but... Um, it's just because we already did episodes on them, I'm going to do them yes. quickly, and because, yeah, they're already on the show. Uh, and we were technically on hiatus, but that couldn't stop some of these books from coming out and coming through. One of the more fun, like, cross-media extravaganzas that we did over the course of, like, five months was our buddy read of the Chathryn Voyage Quartet by Robert V.S. Reddick with us series author robert vs reddick and then blaze from under the radar books uh we were chatting on blaze's discord discussing robert's work on our podcast it was one of those fun things that just came together through uh, you know we you know dylan had been recommending the chatham voyage to me for a long time and dylan and blaze had made that connection of both being fans of of the chatham voyage and and you know Robert being super generous with his with his time, and we were able to go book by book, um, s- s- and uh, starting with the Red Wolf Conspiracy, and we read each book, went into deep discussion. You know, Robert shared a lot of really fascinating perspectives on the characterizations, the themes, just the idea of being a writer and getting a book published, and all these other things. It was really informative and a really cool experience on the podcast one that was very unique in, in that we were able to work on discord and with an author so intimately um so that was very very cool and highly recommend reading red wolf conspiracy highly recommend going back and listening to those episodes we do a spoiler free one at the very beginning that you should definitely you could check out today uh, and if you do decide to read the books there's just a wealth of information and knowledge to go back and mine from that whole experience that we did is the only thing we did for five months on ftf was devote our time to this series it was uh quite the experience 
Yeah, and that was one of those weird dream come true feeling yeah. things that we've done. Because the Chatter and Void, I've talked ad nauseum about this, but I'll I'll say it again: is Chatter and Voyage. It's one of my early entries into fantasy, and uh, you know, as an adult, getting back into this genre, and I I was so obsessed with it when I was reading it, and the idea. That back then, if you told me that we'd actually get to hang out with the author, talk about the book, Crazy. and ask him questions, hours, whatever, and hours, I, and hours, hours, yeah, I mean, because he's and Robert is, I, I can't say this enough, one of the nicest guys, just period. I was going to say in the community, but. It, He's just such a nice guy. Uh, I felt like we took a master so... class, basically, of of, yeah. <laughs> of his works. It was like such a rare experience and a rare treat. And um, just to, some things about the book, it, like the majority of the book takes place on one insanely huge sailing vessel. And a lot yeah. of the cast members are crew on this vessel and they get roped and like, the one thing I'll say about Chatham Voyage Quartet is that uh, it's highly imaginative. Like the scenarios they get in, the creatures yeah. they run into, the conspiracies on top of conspiracies on top of conspiracies. It's one of the most layered, textured, original stories that I have ever read. And where it takes you after four books, it, you've never seen it coming and the ending, which Dylan had t- held over my head for years until I finally read it, it, was very impactful, very different, very against the grain of what I've read out of most of my fantasy reading career. And I just applaud uh, Robert's originality in his voice and his prose and his his plotting. It's like some of these scenarios we found ourselves in in these books, I was like, how do you even think this up it's kind of like this first 15 lives of Perry August like how did you even begin to think of this concept it's it's so um so wild and that was um that was just a like highly recommend for any fan of high fantasy check it out because it's as big as an expansive as you know any high fantasy novel series I've ever read and so it's worth checking out for that alone fans of nautical settings in fantasy it's like definitely gonna hit that vibe for you um and the only thing i will say i I won't do any specifics any details but i i think it just speaks to robert's craft is that marvel did rip them off at one point you know there's a (laughs) there's a piece of narrative that happens within the chatherine voyage that is blatantly ripped off from a marvel movie that made billions of dollars years later so did they copy (laughs) him hard to say but uh there's some interesting parallels there and marvel's getting rich off of the idea so um very fascinating to see that unfold you just have to read the book to figure out what we're talking about right and And watch the movie and robert as soon as we saw that movie because <laughs> we were talking about the box, as immediately I thought about Chatherine Voyage, and obviously Robert, as the author of Chatherine Voyage, thought the same when seeing that. So, yeah, Marvel, we're on to you. 
Okay, <laughs> we know that you have a Chathern Voyage fan who's on staff <laughs> pretending that they came up with this original idea, <laughs> and it was Robert. So uh, that's yeah, right, Charles. Like you said, highly imaginative, highly original, highly ambitious. I mean, what a series! So yeah. Definitely check that one. Definitely check it out. He swung for the fences and hit a home run. Um, The last one we'll mention, again, this is another one that we read right at the end of our hiatus. But, you know, I have to give a thanks to Harper Collins for reaching out to us, presenting us with this opportunity. And, of course, thank you to Sara El-Arifi, who came on the show maybe a month before our hiatus ended, to discuss her debut novel, The Final Strife, which is book one of the Final Strife trilogy. This is one where, you know, it's her debut work, and we were lucky enough to be asked to interview her leading up to the book's release just a few short months ago in June. And um, it was just a really... Just we've, I've, I don't know about you, Dylan, but I certainly just felt honored to be a part of that launch because reading it, right, like a debut author's novel and, and reading and learning more about her story, I, I was so hyped and so excited for that release. And getting to speak to Sara was so enlightening. I'll just go really quickly. The Final Strifes, it's, it's a fantasy series with influence in Ghanaian folklore and Arabian myths. And it tackles, you know, an exploration of themes including addiction, inequality, and racism. And it does a masterful job on all accounts. Um, Sara's story from being a closet writer to a published author is one of the most fascinating, unique, interesting stories I've ever heard from a first-time author. So it's worth checking out our interview with Sara just to get that whole perspective. And then the book stands on its own. It, it went on to become a, um, a was it a Sunday Sunday Times, Times? bestseller? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Sunday Times bestseller. And now I see all these pictures on social media of Sarah rolling around with Samantha Shannon, the Priory of the Orange Tree author, and Rebecca Kwong, popular series, obviously. And it's like, wow, she's uh, yeah, Sunday Times bestseller. She is really. I think this has been an amazing debut, both in terms mm-hmm. of how it's been received, in terms of the quality of the book, in terms of how awesome the author is as a person. So I think she's one of those authors that we're already kind of in the mode of being like, we knew her when, even though that was only a couple <laughs> Even it was like a week ago. before. <laughs> right. yeah. So her star will only continue to rise, I'm Certainly. sure. So check out that interview back when uh, we knew her when. So hopefully, <laughs> exactly. I, 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 uh, hopefully we'll have many more times to get to interact with Sarah, but she's definitely rolling with those big wigs now, and we, mm-hmm. we're very proud of her for all of her success. All well-deserved, too. The book is fantastic. One of the things we kept saying to her and we kept saying to each other was, we thought the book was so much shorter than it actually was. We burned right. through it. Yeah, and that's just something to say about her voice as an author. Well, that she's we read it on Kindle mm-hmm. because we get these early copies and we weren't getting like, you know, they just send those, um, or the, it wasn't e-reader PDF, files. E- yeah. Whatever. Yeah. EPUB or whatever. Mm-hmm. Point being, uh, they sent that over and you just kind of, you know, you see the percentage marks going up or whatever, but you're not knowing how many pages you're going through. And, if you asked me to guess how many pages it was, I think I would have said something like 
400. I was around there too. It's over 600. It's over 600 pages and just speaks to the pacing. It speaks to how enthralling it is. Super unique setting. Charles, you spoke to where it gets its uh, influence from. Mm. So not like anything else that I've read and just also I'll say, Charles, I think you let me know if you think this is true. Okay. I think we got the most feedback that people went out and bought the book from that interview than we've gotten from any other episode we've done. I would agree. I think we've also that was one of the few times we've gotten direct feedback of like, wow, this was, you know, such an interesting interview. Like there's so many things that we learned about Sarah's journey of getting published that makes for a fantastic story. <laughs> like it's so interesting. And we definitely, you know, we kind of rode on her coattails a little bit as she was uh, becoming a bestseller. And we just happened to have had that episode come out like a day before, two days before her book dropped, or maybe even the day of, I don't remember. Um, the day of. It was the day so of. we were just lucky to be part of that attention and yeah i think there's a lot of excitement around her her career right now and we're watching it with great interest and we uh yeah look forward to reading more of her work in the future very strong debut i'll also say we knew we knew when we read the book and then (laughs) we talked to sarah it was i mean we probably said it a million times on air but we also yeah. off air, we you know we'd get off that call and just be like she's gonna be huge. It was like, funny because when we recorded it, it was still like a week or two before her book was coming out, and she was very nervous. She's very open about it at the beginning. She's like, "I'm like a wreck right now. I'm so nervous." And it's one of those, like when you're on the outside looking in, it's like this has all the markings of a success right. that you could possibly have. All you need is that spark of like good timing and luck, and she already had a lot of uh, you know. She, a lot on her side the already timing so as well and mm. the quality is there and this i it just like you're saying charles if if you're the author yourself of course you're going to be freaking out and yeah worry it's going to be some sort of disaster but outside looking in it was just so obvious yeah. and it was such it a unique opportunity for like, us to have captured her in that moment right before her first book's getting published here we are talking about the book um getting to know about her it's like could you imagine if you talk to like you know some other famous fantasy author right before they published their first book or like the perspective you'd get then versus afterwards it's like the fact that we were able yeah. to have this weird like twilight moment or i guess dawn moment of of her uh of of her career was super fun it's a fascinating listen like go back and like listen to that if you haven't it's really interesting even if you have no interest in reading the book although you should the interview on its own you will by the end you will by the end if you go in without that interest exactly exactly it's worth listening and yeah i'm very proud of that interview and um i was just very fortunate for the opportunity to have been able to talk to her in such a crucial moment for her. I'm sure she was, you know, just wanting to do anything but think about the book at that time. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's in Chance's hands now. <laughs> Here's uh, nothing more I can do. It's out of my control. So it's just fun to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, that's oh, our hiatus sure. discussion. Yeah. Oh, why is it good for a hiatus, though, Charles? Why is. Why is that well, book in particular 
a great hiatus read. Because you, you say know, for Chatherin too. Well, when you're <laughs> well for the fun of strife, you know, when you're on hiatus, sometimes you need a book that you know when you have all the time in the world. Theoretically, if you're on hiatus, you have more. You find yourself with more time, but to get that pacing and to and to burn through a book and to and to be surprised by how far you've come, you know, that's that's um an experience worthy of, of any hiatus. And uh, the final strife certainly mm-hmm. has that. Uh, right. It's also like Ghanaian and Arabian influences is such a unique um, blend for modern fantasy that it's worth checking out on that alone. Chatherine voyage. I mean, that is a four chunky books in which you go off on an adventure. Uh, you need to go on hiatus to, <laughs> to give those books the attention <laughs> yeah. they deserve right. to, to, to fully appreciate the masterwork that Robert Kraft, and he'll be the first to tell you, he spent years writing those darn things um, of just doing nothing but just writing these books. living in that world. In just living head. in that book for yeah. years. And he had to take a hiatus from his life to write them. He'll tell you that. Yeah. And um, he was lucky enough where... Uh, yeah, he got big advance and stuff for that mm-hmm. where he was able to just do that as his career for that time period while he was writing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so uh, there you go. I, yeah, he was able to just live that author lifestyle and live in his head. I also should say I didn't say why the first 15 lives of Harry <laughs> I guess it's a good oh, hiatus well, we need to know. Sometimes, Charles, <laughs> when you're on hiatus, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's like every day starts to just feel the same, you know? It's like one day after the other. You're not, Been you there. don't have anything, right? You don't have anything <laughs> that you have to do each day. And it's just kind of like, is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? I don't <laughs> even know anymore. Mm-hmm. So for those on hiatus who want to get that kind of experience of just living the same days over and over again in a novel form, you know, you want to be met where you're at. That is why you would read the first 15 lives of Harry August by Claire North wow. during hiatus. I, I wish I had it during my hiatus, but no one told me about it. So it never happened, I guess. I don't well. know why I did it. <laughs> Literally, this is the first time hearing I, of it. Live yeah, on air. <laughs> I have no idea. But I'm glad I, like, I got to it. I was it. like, Charles has no idea I read this book. <laughs> I was like, what? This is coming out of left field. All the others I was prepared for, but that was a curveball. But hey, I'm better off for it now, you know? And um, I hope you, the listeners, you know, if you're planning your next hiatus, that you maybe added some of these to the list to take with you. Uh, was this a good enough hook for you to listen all the way to the end? Definitely. <laughs> I don't think I would have. <laughs> I, I feel I, like once I was listening, yeah, once yeah, I was yeah. listening, sure, I'd make it to yeah, the end. Yeah, because yeah, of- yeah, yeah, yeah. But the content. And I don't the, know. The would books I are good. click something that says books to read on hiatus? Maybe right before we went on hiatus. I'd have been like, like wow, oh, this, this is perfect for me. <laughs> exactly. That's the niche like, kind of marketing that we're trying <laughs> right. to do. Could get a lot of downloads on this one. <laughs> there, there's, if you are listening, thank you. For yeah, thank you for listening. Us. Maybe we'll have changed the title to something more tempting and 
just talking about nonsense, but it's at least book recommendations at the very least. And we thank you all for making it to the end and listening to all of our yeah. book recommendations. We hope you check some of them out. There's some episodes to look at, some plenty of books to read. And we'd, you know, love to get your feedback on all of that on the socials. And, you know, we'd love to get into that. And But, you know, normally, Dylan, I prefer to do that with some sweet, sweet outro music playing in the background. Well, then, you should get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, let us know over on social media. That's the FTF Podcast with the number one at the end on Twitter and the FTF Podcast as is on Instagram. We would love to know what you think of these book recs. If you've read any of them, if you're going to read them, we want to know. We're all over Twitter and Instagram all the time talking books, so definitely hit us up over there. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show and they already follow us on social media, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. You now have the option to do that on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts because Spotify added relatively recent while we were on hiatus. Hey. I believe Spotify, which is also why I think our Spotify ratings are lagging compared to our Apple ones, is because we were not producing episodes. We were on hiatus. While this went on there, which means that you, our wonderful listener, listeners, just one listener, our wonderful listener, <laughs> you, you, our wonderful listeners, have the opportunity to really help us out by throwing us five stars on that Spotify app. It's right toward the top of our podcast feed. You can't miss it. So, anyway, just listening. Yes. Listening. Guys, more than enough. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Thank you. It wasn't my best quote. You did it great, though. I mean, you got the point across. The five stars thing, it's the best thing you can do for us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, But nothing beats listening you know that's that's the tops so thank you all for listening checking out our recommendations always love chatting books with you guys thank you thank you thank you for listening enjoy your hiatus (laughs) enjoy your hiatus listening to this episode are people who will see you when you come back rested relaxed reprioritized and well read um, it's important to take time for yourself. Very important to take time. Decompress. We'll be here when you come back. We've got 180 we plus episodes and counting. That's not going to stop, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You are all the best. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs> <laughs>